Welcome to the Willie Jackson Experiment. I'm your host, the one, the only, Willie Jackson. Oh, dude. Alright. So, um, I went and took a little trip up to Morrison, Colorado today. Check out a little spot. We used to chill. We used to cruise around a lot. And uh, it's called Red Rocks. Red Rocks Amphitheater. Uh, there was so much cool stuff up there. I mean, uh, it, even still, I mean, I'm looking through some things that I want to cover on my podcast. Uh, I want to give special thanks to um, Fox Denver, Fox News Denver, and uh, uh, CBS Sunday Morning for the footage or for the audio. Um, but basically, I'm covering. Uh, the Red Rocks, the history, the just anything about the Red Rocks Amphitheater. Um, it's a really renowned place um, from people all around the country, and the audio up there is just awesome. You know, I I try to go up there, try to get some of my equipment to work. It didn't really didn't really pan out the way I thought, but um, I think I think I'm gonna do an actual um thing up there and you know just to showcase how good the audio is up there but um hope you enjoy this podcast and uh like i say that place uh i'm gonna find some really cool pictures because we uh, we've been to some awesome concerts me and my brother and uh so we've been up there just tearing it up so uh hope you enjoy this podcast and uh Red Rocks, Colorado. Red Rocks in Morrison, Colorado, rather. So, enjoy. Alright, we're here in Denver, Colorado. This place is sold out. Guys, Love the show, corn tore it up. Those are very spiky. Thank you. This is my first time to the concert and I love it. This is the wall. The wall. It has every show ever played at Red Rocks. And there's some amazing ones. Let's take a look. You know, there have been some legendary bands, everybody from the Beatles. Uh, people always say, like, oh, why do they have the Mayhem Fest here? But, I mean, Pantera's played here, Tool. Uh, you know, there's Pantera right there. Look at that. September 28th, 1997. Um, you know, Godsmack, Deftones, Tool. Um, there have been some amazing metal bands that have played here.
On the 4th of July in 1870, at a Champagne march to an expanse of ruddy sandstone monoliths, Judge Martin Van Buren Luther delivered a patriotic address, christening the rocks as the Garden of the Angels. He also placed a curse on anyone attempting to change the name, but his pronouncement had no great effect. People called the area the Park of the Red Rocks, or as it is now known, Red Rocks Amphitheater. Nature's prehistoric upthrust of the Red Rocks area had begun some 70 to 40 million years ago with a geological event called the Laramide Orogeny. Of the numerous formations, sharp-angled creation rock was the giant that attracted the most attention, towering 500 feet from its base. To the left, forming what boosters used to call the gateway of heaven and earth, was shiprock, which at night looked like a gigantic ocean liner. Cosmopolitan magazine editor and industrialist John Brisbane Walker bought the 4,000 acres of land in May 1905. Walker began hyping the park, which he labeled Garden of the Titans to compete with the Garden of the Gods near Colorado Springs. From the very beginning, visitors to the park were fascinated with its musical possibilities. The first recorded performance took place on Decoration Day, now Memorial Day, in 1906. The event featured Pietro Satriano, one of Denver's most popular band leaders, playing on a crude wooden platform with a brass ensemble of 25 pieces. In 1911, opera star Mary Garden became the first nationally renowned artist to give a concert at Red Rocks. Walker built trails and a tea house and an observation deck on Creation Rock. He also designed and had constructed a funicular railway to ferry passengers up the 2,000 feet from Creation Rock to the top of Mount Morrison. Despite his enthusiasm and a decade of optimistic development, Walker's fortunes eventually declined. In 1928, he sold a 1,100-acre tract to the city of Denver for $54,133. When Mayor Ben Stapleton was elected, he appointed as manager of improvement and parks, Denver native George Cranmer. Cranmer's vision for Red Rocks as an amphitheater met opposition from Stapleton, who visualized the hillside as a rock garden. Eventually, Cranmer was given permission to pursue the project with a minimum of city funds. In President Franklin D. Roosevelt's New Deal program of the Civilian Conservation Corps, Cranmer saw an opportunity both to provide employment and to keep down the costs of building a theater. Congress authorized the CCC in 1933, shortly after FDR took office, and appropriated funds to create jobs all over the U.S. The plan was to recruit young men into an army of conservationists to build national, state, county, and city parks, and at the same time, save the youths themselves. George Cranmer used his influence and persuasion to arrange help from the CCC, and the youths then undertook one of their largest projects. On May 11, 1936, work started on the Park of the Red Rocks, which was hazardous and expensive. A rough estimate of the total cost of labor and materials came in at well over $300,000, 
according to Edward Tysier, superintendent of the job. Burnham Hoyt, a young Denver architect who had helped map out New York's Radio City Music Hall, was employed to lay out a feasible seating plan. Devoted to enhancing the unique natural setting, Hoyt modeled the venue after the Theater of Dionysus at the Acropolis, designing it to be tucked between the massive rocks. He attempted to blend the walkways and dressing rooms into the sandstone as unobtrusively as possible. An orchestra pit built of stone fronted the 1,260-square-foot stage. Behind it, in full view of the audience, the lights of Denver would mark the horizon. The boys, as CCC enrollees were called, furnished manpower for the construction. They worked for $1 a day plus room and board, keeping $5 a month and sending home the rest to help support their families. Day in and day out, the CCC veterans, stonemasons and carpenters blew up the rocks, dug out the dirt, embedded the steel and then reshaped stone and concrete over it. Hurrah for the love of the country, hurrah for the Patriots' dream, with the brains on their backs, with the pick and an axe. Hurrah for the boys in green. They built the amphitheater including a magnificent tiered seating area for more than 9,000 persons and a huge parking lot, mostly working with picks and shovels. The difficulty of getting trucks and machinery up the winding and perilous roads made the work unavoidably slow. Muffled charges of dynamite and other blasting powder boomed through the valley daily. The Works Progress Administration, another New Deal program, helped to build access roads through the park. The project went smoothly, sometimes to the accompaniment of a cappella grand opera. As Cranmer brought a steady stream of artists in the park to test and retest the acoustics. The formal dedication of the new venue took place on Sunday, June 15, 1941. Helen Jepson a soprano with the Metropolitan Opera, performed as the main attraction. <laughs> Due to World War II, Red Rock sat mostly unused until 1947, when the first Easter sunrise service was held along with a series of summer concerts. Before long, Red Rocks came to be considered one of the natural wonders of the world, with numerous opera companies and orchestras taking advantage of the site's unique combination of natural aesthetics and acoustics. By the 1950s, solo artists began to appear regularly. Red Rocks gradually earned the reputation as America's most important outdoor music venue. Thanks to the legendary Beatles show in 1964, Bruce Springsteen's first-ever outdoor tour date in 1978, and U2's career-making 1983 video shoot. Denver is now a must-stop for touring acts, and every star in the musical galaxy aspires to play on this special and magical stage.
Hey y'all, and welcome back for another Paranormal Pit Stop. Tonight, we'll be delving through a 738-acre mountain park and open-air amphitheater located off West Alameda Parkway near Morrison, Colorado, about 10 miles west from Denver. Easily distinguishable by its large red sandstone outcroppings, recognizable for its hosting of a range of music, television, and film performances, and infamous for its purported assortment of ghostly activity, are you prepared to brave the history and hauntings surrounding the red Red Rocks Park and Amphitheater. Fascinatingly, through the whole of the site, signs of Jurassic, Colorado, and dinosaur life can be viewed. Historically, from around 9000 BCE and onward, land now holding Red Rocks was heavily utilized by tribes native to the region, and circa 1000 CE, the Ute tribe would migrate to the site and would use its abundant rock formations as a natural defense and shelter from the elements. In 1800, Southern Cheyenne and Arapaho would move in on the expanse, sparking tribal warfare between parties that stretched the front range. In 1820, Red Rocks was discovered to the U.S. during an army expedition led by Stephen Long, and following the 1858 gold strike at Cherry Creek, the area would be flooded under a rush of settlers, during which time, Ute Chief Cholero would lead a resistance against the European invaders and would hole up in a canyon now called Colorado's Cave. The earliest moniker for park grounds being the Garden of the Angels was established on July 4th of 1870 by pioneer Coloradoan judge Martin Van Buren Luther, and in 1872, one Marion Burtz would become the first official owner of future Red Rocks lands, after which he would sell the property to Leonard H. Eicholtz, who would set to work on the development of a park circa 1878. Through his work, Leonard would establish a number of roads, trails, picnic grounds, steps, and ladders in order to make the landscape more accessible to visitors. And in 1906, he would sell his creation to famed editor John Brisbane Walker, who would rename it as the Garden of the Titans instead, and who would host concerts from it off a temporary platform stage. In 1927, the site would be purchased by the city of Denver, who would officiate it as Red Rocks, after which the Civilian Conservation Corps would establish early roads, the Pueblo-style concession stand, and from 1936 to 1941 would build the expanse's iconic amphitheater. In 1973, the Red Rocks Amphitheater was declared a Denver landmark. In 2003, the park would celebrate the grand opening of its new Red Rocks Visitor Center and Hall of Fame. In 2011, the site would become the first inductee to the Colorado Music Hall of Fame, and in 2015, it would be designated a National Historic Landmark. Later the same year, the Colorado Music Hall of Fame Museum would take up residence within the park's trading post. Red Rocks Park and Amphitheater remains open into the present, offering breathtaking scenery, a venue popular for major concerts and performances, a mess of winding trails, and, according to legend, a slew of ghostly activity, with those frequenting its bounds reporting constant electronic malfunctions, orbs in photography, the constant feeling of being watched or followed, and encounters with both shadowy figures and full-bodied apparitions in garb spanning from ancient native of attire up to more modernized clothings. 
after dark, the sounds of chanting, singing, and of tribal drums have been heard from empty areas, and a number of accounts tell of close encounters with UFOs or even with extraterrestrials on the ground. Around the off-limits section of the old stage, the apparition of an old-fashioned miner with a long white beard standing at about 5 foot 5 and toting a bottle of booze has been spied and has been known to get aggressive with those who get too close. And at the old trading post, namely after dark, many have described disembodied voices and scratching sounds, objects sighted moving on their own, instances in which doorknobs spontaneously shake or rattle, and accounts of boxes flying wildly from shelves. Lastly, the most famous story surrounding this park tells of an entity titled the Hatchet Lady of Red Rocks, who it said appears from small caves and dark spaces, naked, sometimes on horseback and wielding a bloody axe, which, on multiple occasions, she's used in attempts at dismembering those who get too close. Interestingly, many reports of attacks by the Hatchet Lady are derived from vandals, from those who've disrupted the natural scene, and from youth breaking either their parents or the park rules, leaving some to ponder her beneficence. While one story claims the Hatchet Lady is the ghost of a former Morrison resident, one old Mrs. Johnson who hated youth and young love, and who, it said, would pull her collar up to appear headless while brandishing a hatchet in order to scare away those she deemed unworthy of the Expanse's glory, others tell she was actually a homeless woman who resided within a cave sometime through the 1950s, and whose spirit stayed behind to watch over the place she called home. Though no solidifying evidence has been discovered to date, leaving her true identity a mystery. Thanks for joining us on this Paranormal Pit Stop. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Until next time. Now, Luke Burbank, on the rocks. Red rocks. We'll let him explain. Star pose, we rise. Proud in your feet, proud in your chest, feel the sunshine. It's 7 a.m. on the outskirts of Denver, and one of America's most iconic music venues is already a buzz. Circle your arms up, star pose, look up. Exhale, hands to hard, horse squat, sit low. One more, and then we pause, breathe in. This is Red Rocks an amphitheater formed by nature and shaped by humans that might provide the most incredible vista ever for your vinyasa. Each weekend morning in June and July, thousands of yoga enthusiasts flock to Red Rocks, which is just starting its day. Meanwhile, in a mere 12 hours, this place will be packed with a whole new group of people ready to vibe out under the stars. We'll get there in a minute. First though, how did this place get here? Every night feels special when you're working here, but there have been millions of those nights. Brian Kitts is the spokesperson for Red Rocks, and he's not exaggerating. There have been millions of nights like these. Scientists say somewhere between 70 and 40 million years ago, a geological event called the Laramide Orogeny pushed two giant red rocks into the position they're still in today. Making it safe to say, this is probably the oldest music venue in America. How about the acoustics? I mean, this is very beautiful, but do the rocks actually serve a purpose acoustically? Yeah, the acoustics here are really good. 
This is sandstone. It is uh, pink feldspar and iron oxide that make it red, but it absorbs sound as opposed to bouncing it around like you get inside of a modern venue. The Ute people inhabited the region surrounding Red Rocks for centuries until they were driven out in the 1800s. In 1905, John Brisbane Walker purchased the area to build an amusement park called Garden of the Titans. But when his fortunes ran out, the city of Denver acquired the property in 1927, officially naming it Red Rocks. Employment for hundreds of thousands of young men and war veterans was imperative. In 1936, as part of FDR's New Deal Depression-era Civilian Conservation Corps, young, out-of-work men began hand-carving the amphitheater that we know today. So this, what we're walking on right now, was basically carved and chipped away by hand by a bunch of people back in the 1930s. Yep, you know, the bowl is here naturally. There would have been big boulders right out in the middle. They would have been dynamited out, but then they started carving every single row into the side of the hill. Pickaxes and just human energy. That human energy has been palpable here at Red Rocks over the years, with performances by everyone from the Beatles to on the night we were there, the String Cheese Incident. The intensity at Red Rocks is, is different. It's different. It's, you look up there and, and everyone's looking down at you, right? Framed the energy, by the giant rock monoliths. The energy gets funneled down from the crowd to the stage and you walk out onto the stage and you look and it's everybody, just a wall of people above you. Bill Nershey and Keith Mosley are founding members of the String Cheese Incident. And don't bother to ask where the name came from. I did. They're not telling. The jam band started out in the 1990s playing Colorado ski towns, sometimes in exchange for free lift tickets. But they always dreamed of someday playing here. We were touring, playing Colorado shows, and we drove in, and we actually came up on stage, the band, and stood there together and, like, Let's visualize making this happen, you know. Stand where you think you would be standing yeah, yeah, during right. the show. Look up at the, at the seats and just say, we're going to do it. Apparently, it worked. As the String Cheese Incident has now played Red Rocks 45 times, making them one of its most frequent performers. I was cleaning the ass from Speaking of frequent Red Rocks attendees, there were lots of them in the audience this night. How many times have you been to Red Rocks? Uh, probably a little more than 30, I'd say. This is about 45, 50, six times this year. Oh, definitely hundreds. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, Red Rocks has achieved something pretty rare. The venue itself is a draw for lots of people. Red Rocks is one of the reasons that we moved to Colorado. We, we People like Kelsey Powell and Bo Weller, who moved here from New Jersey. Perfect. So you really had a moment where you're like in Jersey, you're like lining up the pros and cons of places to move, and like on the pros list for Colorado as well, Red Rocks is there. Yeah. Like that was a real thing you discussed. Oh, absolutely. And has it like lived up to what you were hoping it would be? Without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> as the night wore on and the stars came out, the band and the audience started to slip into a sort of cosmic groove, feeding off each other's energy. This year marks the 80th anniversary of this unique venue, 
which feels like a long time for rock and roll, but geologically, it's just a blink of an eye for these red rocks. Looking back on 75 years of music, beauty, art, and tradition. This is Fox 31 Denver's tribute to 75 years of Red Rocks. We are heirs to a magnificent gift from our forefathers who purchased not only Red Rocks, but over 100 years ago purchased 14,000 acres of land in the mountains of Colorado. It's a very special evening. Obviously, on this night, 75 years ago, the city of Denver dedicated this, this amphitheater, the most phenomenal amphitheater in the entire nation, the entire world, to the people of Denver and certainly to the people of the state. Growing up in Denver, this was a place you always wanted to come. I'll tell you the one thing that I remember the most about it was to see B.B. King perform live, and I got to see him perform live right here at Red Rocks. Can you believe that Denver paid only $54,000 for this place? 75 years. Happy birthday, Red Rocks. You look good for 75 years, don't you think? Indeed, she does look good for 75 years old. Good evening, and thanks for joining us for this Fox 31 Denver News Special. I'm Jeremy Hubbard. And I'm Aristea Brady. Tonight, we take a look at what makes Red Rocks one of the most unique and special amphitheaters in the entire country. And we're doing it through the lens of our photojournalists who've been given unlimited and unbelievable access. Fox 31 photojournalists Bryant Vanderweerd, Isaiah Medina, and Chris Mosier take us behind the stage with Blues Traveler, a band who's performed here at Red Rocks nearly every single 4th of July for more than two decades. Okay, so we'll try it again. It is Monday, July 4th at Red Rocks Amphitheater. Should be a fun night. 23rd annual Blues Traveler Rock Show. Shook-a-buck-a-bow! Got it. Something we're very proud to have been a part of for this long. It's such an incredible venue. is one of those special shows that we really write a specific set for. There's an onus on us to, to make it different, to make it special. We feel we can always dig a little bit deeper into our repertoire. Yep, that's it. This is the place to do the things we want to do as a band. For our fans, they know when they're coming to see the show, it's a special show. Uh, 7,500 to 9,000 yeah. people. Denver's oh, finest. Denver's always been very good to Blues Traveler. They want to go out and they want to rock out. The outpouring of love has just felt every time you come. When all the people get in there, it feels loud and exciting, like, you know, I liken it to maybe a football game. Every time you come around that corner, you got all these people, it's rocking, it's warm, it's loud. There'll be a flip of lights and your, your head's like, whoa, <laughs> there's people up there. For a second, it seems like an endless crowd. It like goes up and up and uh, you feel like you're at the bottom of a crowd hole. It's fun to be at the bottom of the crowd hole. How are you guys feeling? The crowd propels us, and they always have, and here is a, it's especially fervent. As long as I sing with inflection, 
and that pumps them up and their energy starts going up and you guys propel each other to a higher place than either of you could alone. It's a really fun communion to have with the crowd. And it don't matter who you are. And Red Rocks is no different and even more special. It's We have this tradition of doing the Star Spangled Banner every year because it's July 4th. We try to time it when they see fireworks from Morrison, they see the fireworks from Boulder, and they see the fireworks from Denver. It's quite a light show. They'll start cheering and we think we're doing something really good. And it's they're cheering the fireworks behind us. This place, it's magical not just for me, but this place has a magic that's far older than me. That's the one we're most grateful for. It's such a great tradition to be a part of. And the fact that we carved our little niche in it and get to belong to that is really important to us. It's the most important gig we do every year. Still to come tonight, if these rock walls could talk, the biggest acts and most memorable performances in the 75-year history of Red Rocks Amphitheater. It is the venue so many musicians dream of playing, Red Rocks Amphitheater. Can't even imagine. Welcome back as Fox 31 celebrates 75 years here at Red Rocks, a place with a history as colorful as these stone walls it's named for. Fox 31 photojournalist Michael Driver takes a look back. Red Rocks history is inseparable from the history of music in our state. Red Rocks transforms artists. There's nothing like Red Rocks anywhere else. Nineteen oh five, John Brisbane Walker, who was the publisher of Cosmopolitan magazine, buys the acreage of Red Rocks Park and has the idea to do public performances there. So this is what the park looked like in 1905. All you see is sagebrush and dirt. You can see that each area for the bench had to be dug out of the earth by hand. The city of Denver actually purchased this property for $54,000 in 1927. Construction began on Red Rocks Amphitheater in 1936. It finished in 1941, so that's essentially five years solid of work. This is the program from the dedication of Red Rocks, starting with an organ prelude on a Hammond organ. I'm holding Red Rocks history right here. I mean, you can't get better than that. The odd uh, mysteries of the, the first Beatles tour is that Red Rocks actually didn't sell out for what became the biggest band in pop music history. August 1964. Maybe my sister's in there somewhere. Here we go! 2,500 shows over 75 years. We're live from the farm, kind of it back. Bono with his perfect mullet. 
the Grateful Dead, Van Morrison, Steve Miller, and Buddy Guy, you get Nora Jones. Johnny Cash, August 1965, Simon and Garfunkel, July 1967. Goo Goo Dolls, the Beastie Boys, a lot of classics. Pretty much anybody who performs well, plays great live music, has done something at Red Rocks. When you look at the autographs that are, that are on that wall, and then you stand here and you think about what that history is, it's really pretty incredible. I would have loved to have been in the audience for Jimi Hendrix. June of 1971, Death Row Tull show was sold out. Nevertheless, thousands of fans came to the venue hoping to get in. They started clashing with police, throwing rocks at the police. 15 to 20 canisters of tear gas were dropped. So the city basically said, this is what happens when we have rock music at the Red Rocks. That led to a five-year ban. 1975, Barry Fay, the promoter, thought this is, this is ridiculous, and so he sued the city. And in 1976, he won that suit, so he was able to start booking rock shows there after that date. I made almost all John Denver's concerts. John Denver, July 6th. I've never heard of anything as magical as this place. She take Colorado if you take away. Wow. Whew. That's that part of that history. They walk these same paths. We're walking the same path. What a bunch of history. Joan Baez has been on that stage. Count Basie has been on that stage. Was it? No, I'm pretty sure that was it. It's a listing of everybody who has played here and every date. It's like a who's who of music history when you look at the history of Red Rocks. The memories that are made here uh, 9,000 people every night, so 9,000 memories at a time. That's really important when you look back over 75 years worth of music. This is just the first 75 years. The first of many 75 years. Can't wait to when you think about it, some really unbelievable moments in music history made right here at Red Rocks. I believe it's all happened right here. But it's not just music. Over the last 75 years, this place has become Colorado's playground. It's gymnasium, too. A look at that when we come back tonight. Be celebrating 75 years here at Red Rocks, but it's been around just a little longer than that. Yeah, about 300 million <laughs> years or so. Fox 31 photojournalist Rico Romero shows us how rock and roll isn't the only kind of rock people come out here to see. Just breathtaking. <laughs> Jaw-dropping to see all this. It's amazing. This is one of the greatest places in Colorado. Just the drive up here itself is once you get off I-70, I mean, it's just beautiful. All right, let's go walk. Go up and see the scenes of Denver and get in a good workout. Look, there's like a little crater inside that rock. Where? This one right here. Look. It actually kind of looks like you go from Colorado to Arizona. It's very red. The fountain formation is red because of the iron that it contains. How do you think that forms? Those mountains were pushed up due to plate tectonic activity. And as they were pushed up, they moved all of the rocks that were once horizontal into the position that we see them in now. The way they're all slanted, and sometimes they just look like one is stacked right on top of another one, and how does it even stay there? Uh, it's such a powerful landscape to really take some emphatic photos. Oh, look, 
there's the deer. There's more than just the geology here. There's there's a lot of great history. But this looks like something out of Jurassic Park where you can see like dinosaurs yeah. walking around. When the Jurassic dinosaurs were here, this was a series of of streams flowing through uh, the valley. This is Denver's backyard. We think of this as one of the treasures for the community of people living in the Front Range. The city's so close to such crazy beauty. And it's one of the reasons that people come to Colorado and it's something that we should all treasure, celebrate, preserve, and hand off to our children. What a place to burn some calories while taking it all in. That's right. And if you prefer your Red Rocks experience with a little bit of buttery popcorn like this guy, or maybe a flick, Fox 31 Denver photojournalist Chantal takes us to a film on the rocks. Film on the rocks right here at Red Rocks Amphitheater. Film on the rocks is in its 17th season. 17 years. This is my first time out here. I guess I've been stupid up until this point. <laughs> the world's greatest venue for movies and music. I think I can say that. Because concerts are pricey. I think Tickets were like 15 bucks and uh, no extra money for parking. Uh, extra money here, but totally worth it. It just became this kind of aha moment that we could figure out how to put a projector up here in a gigantic screen and make this like the greatest outdoor movie series, arguably, in the world. As we started to smatter in some of the more modern cult classics, that's when it really kind of uh, got lightning in a bottle. There's no better way to watch a movie than here. And you get a comedian and a band. The Looney Tune comes up on the screen. When that moment happens, it's special. We are showing Scream. I haven't seen Scream in so many years, so I'm uh, I'm looking forward to some nostalgia tonight. Yeah, like two seconds. I'm not sure that 17 years ago, when I sat around the table with a bunch of folks, thinking, oh, we'll show a movie and we'll have a couple hundred people show up, that we ever thought we'd get to the point where we're showing to concert capacity of 9,000 people. It's such a great place to see the movie. I'm just surprised I haven't gotten out here soon. Red Rocks. Love is Red. Red Rocks. <laughs> it still is magic. Do you know the first movie they ever showed here at Red Rocks? What? It's one you can't refuse, The Godfather. Forget about it. <laughs> and get this, last year, 57,000 people came out here throughout the season to watch a film on the rocks. Stay with us, our tribute to 75 years of Red Rocks continues right here on Fox 31 Denver. Welcome back as Fox 31 salutes 75 years of music and memories made right here at Red Rock. Of course, it's not just music. Come out here in the mornings or on the weekends. You'll see thousands of Coloradans out here on these steps working out the sweat. That's pretty cool. Fox 31 photojournalist Angel Rosado shows us what it's like to get your workout in the great outdoors. Thinking about class right now, thinking about what's gonna, what I need to do to get ready for it. It's going to be amazing to be in front of all those people. I am Tim's sister. He moved out to Colorado and he started doing yoga. And crazy, because he had a desk job computer thing and he's going to quit his job and be a yoga instructor. And my whole family was, what? <laughs> How are you going to do that? Thank you guys for making it to um, class at 6 p.m. I just was asked some awesome questions. One of the questions Angel asked me is if I'm any good at teaching yoga. Um, I said no. Um, I'm very empowered by him. It's a tough question to answer. He's a great soul. I came from this background of just how many burpees could I do in a minute. We went to his studio that he used to work at and everyone's, Tim's here, Tim's here, Tim's here. Exhale, down dog. Inhale, lift up onto your tiptoes and hold. Reground through your feet. I got an email and I read it like three or four times. 
And I'm like, you're asking me to do what? Bend your elbow, three-legged down dog kick. And engage the left, the, your left leg. Oh my God, you want me to teach at Red Rocks? Half the battle is getting up and making it. Well, I've been to Red Rocks for concerts and different things like that, but the first time for something like this. Good morning. That's my Janet headset. Are we looking okay? All right, good. Child's pose with your hands to the front of the mat. Two more times. Breathe in. This is just a lot of fun because I came from a big family and no one listens to me, so this is great. You're all listening to me. Like, people like you, huh? We're making room for bacon after this. I'm like, I can't believe how many people like you. <laughs> my mom, my dad, and my sister came. They've never seen me teach before, so that was such a cool experience. You know, star pose, biggest one yet, last one. These are such cool experiences to be here and to be a part of this, but more so, it's so grounding, it's so humbling. 75 years of concerts, of energy, of people, all built in this space, and you know that when you come in. It's somewhat of hollowed ground. But am I any good as an instructor? Um, he's an amazing person, I'm, I'm glad I'm a sister. Have an amazing rest of your day. And he's got a great little man bun. Namaste, everyone. Bye. A truly gorgeous place to spend a day, whether you're here to look at the rocks or just to rock out. That's right, and one of the best ways to see Red Rocks is from up above, as Fox 31 photojournalist Chris Moser shows us. The actual portability of the aircraft is what makes it remarkable. You can essentially pack up your gear and fit it in the trunk of a car. Oh, all right. I can take it anywhere I want. The weather controls everything. Our uh, group's called the Rocky Mountain Aero Squadron. Paramotoring has a special place in aviation just because of the uh, openness, per se. We essentially can take off in just a few feet. Cool. All right, we'll test fly. We have to lay out our wing and you always have to take off into the wind because everything is reliant on how essentially fast we can run. Oh man, there's no wind. This is gonna be interesting. There's times where you feel like Superman. You can do anything you want. It's Nate, he'll fly anything. I will. Once the wing comes overhead, that now suspends the motor. It takes all the weight off you. It is kind of awkward having to run. And you finally pick the feet up, and then it's like, oh, we're good, we're good. Nice. Feeling of being in the air is just, it's, it's second to none. It's, it's unbelievable. I can't, I can't describe it sometimes. It's uh, to be able to see some of the scenery that we see out there, seeing the geography, such as the rock formations over at Red Rocks. It's, it's more of a 3D image as opposed to being down on the ground, to me, seems like a 2D image. You look down and you see your feet in the ground. Being that close to the, the shooting rocks and then the colors, you know, if the sun hits it just right from the air, it's just absolutely breathtaking. When you see it from the top, it looks totally different. You know, the rocks that you'd see, you know, bowing out, it, I mean, it's massive from the air. Beautiful scenery. It's a very special place to be. I can't get enough. A stunning view for some real thrill seekers out here at Red Rocks. We want to wish a happy 75th anniversary to one of the most stunning amphitheaters in the entire country. A place where some of the biggest names in rock and roll have played some of their most memorable concerts and a place you and I can come pretty much every day and enjoy right here in our own backyard. So happy 75th Red Rocks and on behalf of all of our Fox 31 Denver photojournalists, thanks for watching.
And on the 75th anniversary of Red Rocks Amphitheater, we celebrate Colorado and take you someplace even people who go to Red Rocks all the time haven't been, under the rocks to the famous hidden tunnel. Tonight, for the first time, Denver 7's Jacqueline Allen takes you backstage and underground where legends leave their mark. Oh, there it goes. Go ahead. Yeah, of course. Climbing the stairs. Oh, look out for that stair. At Red Rocks. Cool. Thank you. Leave so many out of breath. Or is it the view? takes their breath away. This has been called the most perfect music venue on the planet. I think it's a special place for a lot of people. A place where fans flock to sit under the stars. Here we go! Where rock bands perform to become gods and where man and nature join to make history. But deep inside this iconic amphitheater is a place not open to the public. And our backstage at Red Rocks is really under the stage, which is kind of a unique environment. Tad Bowman, Red Rocks venue director, is taking us on a VIP tour backstage, underground, to a hidden tunnel. This is the tunnel? Now part of Red Rocks tradition. Big gigantic on this step here, and they play here each year. A gritty stairway covered by what may first look like graffiti. We're not allowed to show that on TV. Right. But look a little closer. Started out with some signatures on the walls, and then the some of the space on the walls kind of ran out, so then they started doing signatures on the steps. And these aren't just any signatures. John Mayer. More like autographs from production crews to performers, country to rock. Before one sold-out show at Red Rocks, <laughs> the Lumineers had a stop to make. The chosen drink. <laughs> Members of the Denver-based folk rock band got out of Sharpie. Does look like a good spot. I saw a next to it. Yeah. And signed in, leaving their mark on Red Rocks, their favorite place to perform. It's very photogenic, but it's got a spirit about it. You know, it's like incredible place. But far from the mountain vistas, it's in this dingy hallway where Red Rock's real history is written on the walls. If only these walls could talk. With photojournalist Dan McKinney. You're pretty starstruck by the whole thing. Jacqueline Allen, Denver 7. Oh.